Welcome to the Pokescast. I'm Ryan Thorburn, the Wyoming beat writer for the Star Tribune. We are less than five weeks away now from the start of the Wyoming football season, which is kind of exciting. And they start fall camp on Wednesday in Laramie. I just got back from the Mountain West Football Media Day in Las Vegas. So I want to welcome on uh, the other Wyoming media outlet that was down there, 7220 Sports, and its founder, Cody Tucker. Cody, how did uh, Las Vegas treat you, my man? <laughs> I got to say, Ryan, that was the most boring trip to Las Vegas I've ever had. I don't, I didn't have one beer. I can't say that's ever happened in my lifetime going there. Yeah, I did have a couple beers, but I didn't gamble, and I've never slept in a hotel bed as much as I did in my hotel. You know, obviously, uh, we were down there to work and 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 grind and and meet the Mountain West coaches and two players from each team and kind of get a feel for the landscape of the season primarily Wyoming, of course, but also just, uh, you know, all their competition. What was your main impression, your lasting impression from the event and, and Wyoming specifically? Uh, Wyoming specifically, I kind of, I don't know about you, Ryan, kind of felt better um, after talking to those guys, uh, Easton Gibbs and Titus Swin, of course, were the representatives from Laramie. Uh, felt good talking to Craig Bull. Um, you know, there's a lot of question marks heading into this year. A lot of, a lot of players left in the portal. A lot of youngsters that litter this roster uh, still don't have a quarterback set. Uh, you know, the secondary is very much up in the air as far as the safeties go. Uh, we don't know who's rushing the passer per se. Uh, nobody proven. Um, so there's a lot of question marks. But after talking to Craig Bull, um, I felt a little better about the Cowboys' chances. And I didn't feel like he was feeding us a line or, or trying to sell us on anything. I just think he knows these guys better than anybody. And He's pretty uh, pretty excited about this youth that's coming, and uh, he's got a sneaky confidence about him. I don't know if you picked that up, but it was very much, you know, I know he said we're lying in the weeds. He said that to me in 2019, and all the Cowboys did was win eight games, and, and four of their five losses were by a combined 15 points. So uh, nobody knew what to expect from that team, and nobody certainly knows what to expect from these guys. Yeah, obviously, uh, Wyoming has picked fifth in the Mound Division. This is the last year of divisions, and they're – not expected to do much in terms of contending, but, you know, I think a lot of that is, you know, as a guy who votes in that, you know, I don't know San Jose States too deep or, you know, you just know that Hawaii lost a lot of guys and as a new coach and Nevada lost half their team to Colorado state and as a new coach. So you kind of factor that stuff in. And I think a lot of the other mountain West media just sees the big names, you know, transferring out of Wyoming, including the quarterbacks, and thinks that, you know, this portal thing is going to be a nightmare for Wyoming, which historically has struggled to recruit at a high level. So, you know, I think that's why they're picked there. I think this is going to, just my opinion, I think this is going to be a better team than last year. And a lot of that is to what you were talking about, just the chemistry. Clearly, there was something really off last year. And I tried to get to the bottom of it with guys during spring football and then with with Gibbs and Titus the other day. And, and basically Easton said, you know, I can't really put my finger on it, but there was something wrong. And, and basically it had a lot to do with individualism, which is how you get, you know, maybe some veteran guys super pumped to beat Utah state. All of a sudden you're bowl eligible and you have a half empty stadium and a weird senior day pregame. And, and you just don't show up for Hawaii. Those wild fluctuations, fluctuations I don't think we'll see this year yeah that that's another takeaway it's a good point Ryan uh, talking to those guys Titus kind of said 
hey, you know, we with that Utah State win, we wrapped up a bowl invite and we wrapped up, you know, that sixth win. And you saw that, you know, we didn't show up for Hawaii. And and we heard from the guys that they didn't feel very comfortable even heading into that game. They said a lot of individualism and they said that you can kind of tell who kind of packed it in. And to be honest with you, Ryan, I'm a little shocked that they showed up so well offensively, especially against Kent State. Because, I mean, we just didn't know what to expect. A loss to New Mexico that was just unforgivable. And I think now we know what was going on in Hawaii's locker room, and they came in and put it on the Cowboys. They embarrassed them. And then to do what they did against Utah State and then turn around and put up, what, 52 against Kent State, I mean, what a weird year. It was really weird. And, And the other thing I took away from this is a lot of those seniors and super seniors on this team said, hey, this is our time. We have to win now. And they put a lot of undue pressure on everybody to where you have one loss, which the first one came at Air Force. Then all of a sudden it's like, oh, crap. Now we're a game behind. We're a game behind in our own division. And then it started steamrolling. And then it was like, well, we don't have a chance to win it now. So I kind of took that from it, too. I think Easton Gibbs, as young as he is, very, very in the know. And he he said things were definitely weird and things were not uh, not great. And, and all we heard last year, right, was how tight these guys were and what a great unit they were, and, and they had the talent. We saw that. They had 95% returning roster last year, but that's not always a good thing. And the Cowboys now have the third youngest returning roster in the country. Might be a great thing. And you know what? I think, Ryan, you win six or seven games this year, which I know Wyoming fans are sick of. But if you do that this year, I think it's a good thing. And then I think next year could be really scary, depending on what, of course, transpires in the offseason with the portal and all that good stuff. Yeah, one of the cool things about the Mountain West Media Day, you know, I, I've covered, you know, the last seven or eight Pac-12 ones other than 2020 when they didn't have one is, you know, you can get one-on-ones with the best players in the conference. And, you know, Jake Hayner at Fresno State is probably the best player in the conference. And, you know, he kind of talked about how that Fresno State game came, you know, Wyoming had just lost their first game at Air Force. Fresno State was ranked briefly and then lost to Hawaii. And it was kind of a, a come to Jesus moment for both sides. And, and Fresno State pulled out a defensive win and ended up with double digit wins and Wyoming went the other direction. It, I, that's why I think even though they're fifth, it's going to be an interesting season. You know, Utah State was sixth last year and won the league. There's just a very thin margin in the Mountain West. Yeah, and Craig Bull brought it up. I, I asked him if this reminded him at all of, of that 2019 squad that went eight and five and won the Arizona Bowl. He took it back a couple more years and said it reminded him of 2016 when he brought some kid named Josh Allen and some other kid named Andrew Wingert to Mountain West Media Days in Las Vegas, and they weren't picked to do squat. And next thing you know, War Memorial Stadium is playing host to the Mountain West title game. So you never know. Obviously, that means nothing. It's kind of like Craig, you know, kind of gave us a little nugget and said, you know, I didn't win a championship in North Dakota State till year nine and kind of gave us a smile and said, what does that mean? Yeah, you followed up with, what are you saying here, Craig? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, That's a good transition to, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to Logan Bonner, obviously the Utah State quarterback, highly successful, and asked him about the trade. And uh, by that, obviously, I mean, you know, Andrew Peasley, his backup last year is now, you know, I believe will be Wyoming's starting quarterback, and Levi Williams will be, Bonner's one of his backups and uh, you know he spoke highly of Levi he had a, said he had a great spring and, and it's cool to add a, a player that ran wild over you to your own team uh, 
Yeah. Uh, you know, and Levi seems happy there. It seems like more of a lifestyle choice than than anything else, in my opinion, because he could have been the starter at Wyoming. And he's, you know, maybe second, third, who knows on their depth chart. They have a lot of good quarterbacks. But anyway, uh, he also spoke very highly of Peasley and he wished he was still at Utah State, but he gets it in this era. He wishes him nothing but the best. He's he hopes Wyoming goes 11 and one with, you know, a loss to the Aggies. And and I think uh, Peasley was a, a popular player on that team and really would have been their guy if Bonner didn't move with Gary Anderson from Arkansas State to Logan. Yeah. Uh, wasn't Bonner great to talk to? He was probably my favorite player person I talked to out, outside of Easton Gibbs and Titus Wynn. I thought he was fantastic. Yeah, he uh, said without that whooping they took from the Cowboys, they would not have won the yeah. Midwest. They would have yeah. uh, not won it. He also said that uh, he really likes cowboy bars, so Logan is a terrible place to live as far as that goes, but <laughs> he, he was fantastic. Uh, they really, him and uh, Holly, I will never get that last name, but the uh, defensive tackle from Utah State that we talked to, great guys. They both talked about Andrew Peasley. They both used the same word. They said he is a dog. He's an absolute dog. Uh, and the other thing I took from Titus Swin and Easton Gibbs is, He's one of the guys. He's in the weight room trying to keep up with Titus Wynn, and he's not like the the big shot quarterback by any stretch. He's the guy who's right in there with him and and in there doing the offseason workouts and stuff. So heard a lot of great things. Uh, They really talked about that comeback that he had against Air Force last year that was also a potential season saver for the Aggies. Uh, But, yeah, they did talk a lot about how – that Wyoming game really served as a reset button moment for them. And they really, they kind of thought they had it in the bag and they had a terrible game plan. Wyoming had an unbelievable game plan and they bullied them and they pushed them around. And uh, it was, it was kind of cool to hear from the other side and what they think all this, all this time later. But uh, keep in mind, Ryan, as far as Levi Williams, Utah state plays at Alabama in week two and uh, Logan Bonner limped off the field about 1,754 times last year. So that might start clearing the way a little bit for Levi to get in. Cause I imagine uh, Mr. Bonner, who is not fleet of foot is not going to have a very good time in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Yeah. That Utah state game. And to a lesser extent, the Fresno state game, Wyoming's super senior defensive line showed up those two games. Yeah, You just wish you would have saw that, you know, all year, but yeah, they put a beating on Bonner and, and you never know with injuries and everything. It could be, Peasley Levi at War Memorial Stadium, but if Bonner's upright, you know he's the guy as they try to to repeat. Um, you wonder if Levi maybe is going to have a Tim Tebow type of type of role in that offense because I can't imagine he obviously doesn't have a red shirt. He's not going to sit there. He's he's not going to sit there all the time. I imagine they're going to have some kind of package for him. I mean, there's no doubt about it. What Levi did last year against Kent State was it was special. I mean, he dusted them. Uh, what 200 plus yards, four touchdowns. There's no doubt about it. It was a special performance. I mean, he gets a lot of flack for his passing and and not being the most accurate kind of cat, but uh, he is very talented. He's sneaky fast, and he's a really good player and a good guy. I have I have no doubt he's going to see the field in some capacity. A starter, I don't know. I, I don't know if a second stringer, I don't know. But I think there'll probably be maybe some goal line type of stuff for him, some team, Tim Tebow-esque things for Levi Williams and Logan. Yeah, I think that would be a great role for him. I didn't think of that, but he's he's a load, obviously, and he's had those games like the Utah State game, uh, you know, the UNLV game a couple of years ago, the Arizona Bowl, where he, you know, is just unstoppable with his size and his ability to run the ball and 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 make, you know, those games where the play action is there and he's 10 for 12 are Wyoming's best games. And uh, 
you know, fortunately for Wyoming, they did have those type of efforts against their rival Colorado state and the mountain West champions, but, and in the bowl game, but otherwise it was kind of a miserable season yeah. and looking ahead to Wednesday, you know, they finally start camp here and, and put this, you know, roller coaster of an off season behind them. Um, I, based on what I saw during the spring, and I don't know if you were there that day, but there was one day where coach bull came over during the period where they usually just let us watch them stretch and, and do nothing of substance and said, Hey, um, you guys stay through period, whatever. I, because we're going to do a, you know, a third down passing drill. And I want you guys to know what the hell you're talking about. Now, of course we couldn't report on it. Don't write about it though. Don't write about it. But we, I can tell you what I saw. This isn't writing. This is what I saw. I saw that Andrew Peasley is the man and the other guys have a long way to go and they have physical yeah. skills and they have, you know, bigger arms and they're bigger guys and they're more Levi Williams type, but Peasley's going to be the starter at Illinois barring uh, an injury. And, and I think that's an upgrade for Wyoming because he's known as being accurate and we won't see it until Illinois because he's going to have the, the red jersey on. But from everyone I talked to, he's got serious wheels, uh-huh. you know, maybe not the ferocious, violent runner that Levi is, but, you know, he can get out of trouble and, and go. So yeah. I think that gives Wyoming hope that the quarterback position overall should be much better this year. Something else that it was encouraging to hear from Titus Swin, uh, you know, we talked about the speed and we talked about the elusiveness of him, but he said that something that's really impressed him is his uh, awareness in the pocket and not being afraid, not not just fleeing to flee, but actually going through his reads. And that's not really something we've seen a lot of. Uh, I mean, even Josh Allen was known to, you know, look at his first read and run. So it hasn't been that way around here in a long time. And he said he really tries to examine the field as much as possible Running is not, you know, his first option, but he can absolutely do it and he can excel at it. Titus made a good point to me that, you know, losing Isaiah Nayor, who essentially was a one-star recruit that turned into a five-star recruit at Wyoming, and it still baffles the mind that he got out of Texas, if that's where he wanted to be. Uh, Replacing him, obviously, is impossible because he's a rare talent anywhere, especially at Wyoming. But Titus said, now... You know, last season, everybody, including Levi, Sean, whoever was back there, the opposing defensive coordinator, all of the DBs, all the linebackers, knew that when it was a passing down, all the quarterback's eyes were going to be on Isaiah Nayor, and he still had a productive year when they did pass. Yeah. Uh, but now you can spread it around to guys that, you know, frankly, the opposing defense don't know a lot about. Yeah. Uh, that includes a long list of running backs and – uh, a combination of receivers that, you know, got a taste last year or coming off injury like Gentry, just uh, an interesting mix. And then obviously, you know, I know you've been known as a guy prodding and prodding Craig Bull to get the tight ends involved. And uh, they have, you know, a plethora of good tight ends. And, and Craig mentioned without prompting that that's going to be a big part of the offense this year. So could be uh, replacing Nayor by committee could be more productive this year. Yeah, you know, uh, something that Craig did offer up that I was pretty impressed with, Ryan, was um, some guys that, uh, some freshmen that might play this year. And a guy he mentioned was Caleb Merritt, who's a slot receiver out of St. Louis. Uh, This guy was recruited by all kinds of Power 5 schools, every Ivy League school, so obviously very smart, very cerebral kind of guy, very good wheels, really good kick returner as well. He's a guy who could be a big deal. I thought Wyatt Whelan only caught four balls last year, but three of those were on third down. 
pretty big plays for a kid that was making his first catches. So he could be important. Uh, Josh Cobbs is obviously the guy who you want to step up and think will be the next number one, but he had no trouble admitting last year that the reason he had so much success is Isaiah Nair taking, taking, you know, the top off the defense. There's no doubt about it. A guy I want to keep my eye on though is a guy who hasn't done anything since he's been here, but he has all the looks and all the tools and that's Alex Brown. He has not done anything. And I think he really could be one of those diamond and a rough kind of guys, but you need a guy like that to step up this year. And yeah, you're right about harping on bowl about the tight ends all this time. What have we talked about the last three years? Uh, quarterbacks that are inconsistent. What better than to throw to a six, eight guy that's seven yards in front of you. I mean, to help things out and to get in a little bit of a rhythm. And that's just something we haven't seen. Uh, we haven't seen a screen game. We haven't seen these running backs get involved in the passing game. Um, it's not just about those three guys that are lined up out there. And sometimes it seems that way. So if Peasley can really survey the field like they say he can, and he can stand in the pocket, that could really open up some things for this offense. And, and, and Craig, we talked to him about, you know, he said reengineering this offense. He said that before last season. And now it's kind of a mockery, right? Everybody goes, oh, that's re-engineered offense. Give me a break. He's not talking about changing the offense at all. He's talking about efficiency within the offense. You're still not going to see 50 to 50 runs. It ain't happening. Run to pass 50-50, it ain't happening. But if you look at Utah State and what they did there, like you mentioned earlier, Levi threw the ball 15 times. He completed 12 of them. If you can do that, you can be deadly. And especially if you throw in a 99-yard kick return and the night that Titus Swin and Xavier Bolliday had, that was just the all-around effort. I've asked Craig Bull a hundred times, is that what the Wyoming Cowboys are supposed to look like? Absolutely it is. Yeah, you make some some great points. You know, uh, being my first year on the beat last year, you walk in, you're like, who is that guy? Uh, Alex Brown looks even more impressive from a physical standpoint than Isaiah Nayor did. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, if they could get him going, obviously – you know, the two guys Craig bragged about last year from the last recruiting class, DQ James and Jalen Sargent, you'd like to see them on the field this year. Uh, I think DQ could be an incredible change of pace guy uh, or a special teams hero. So um, that's an area to look at during camp. Um, What about defensively? You know, they have Jay Savell back. They have uh, a tradition at middle linebacker that is, amazing um Mm -hmm. you know they have a bunch of new young hungry guys on the edge and i think cole goodbow and jordan bertinoli are two of the better interior defensive linemen west of the mississippi so there's a lot of to like there you know obviously they lost a lot of big names to the portal uh they add some dynamic players from the portal just what are you looking for defensively during camp or what do you want to hear from the guys well, I know, you know, obviously you can point at C.J. Colden and Azizi Hearn being gone. Those are two veteran cornerbacks, uh, but I really think the Cowboys did a great job replacing those guys. Ja'Cory Hawkins was very impressive in camp, and especially during the spring game. Darren Harrell was hurt, the kid from Wisconsin. I uh, think they're going to be really good there. And, and Benny Boyd, their position coach, said, make, make no mistake about it, Cam Stone is the leader of that group too. So that's an in-house guy they've had here for a couple of years. So I think they're going to be okay out there. Safety-wise, I think Miles Williams, he could be that guy who, you know, kind of waited his turn, a la Elijah Halliburton, and maybe takes that big, giant step forward, and I think he'll get a chance. Uh, you know, we both talked to Jay Bell. I think he was you – know, well, I don't think. I know he wasn't happy with the secondary last year, especially those safeties. 
And uh, I think he wishes he would have let Wyatt Eckler get in there and take some lumps. Uh, he did let Isaac White get in there and take some lumps, and Isaac was great. He did a really good job. He was injured through the majority of the spring, but he's a guy who's going to be really good. Uh, I think they're going to be great at safety. I really do. They're just young and unproven. We haven't seen that yet. Uh, you know, Craig mentioned in Vegas, they don't have an outside linebacker yet. And um, he didn't seem awfully confident that they have one that's really set and ready to go. So that might be a by committee type of thing. They really like Keontae Glinton at the nickelback spot. I think he'll be good. And and we didn't hear a name more than Sebastian Harsh uh, this spring, uh, which is a defensive end out of Scottsbluff, Nebraska. He is really excited about him. Alawasi um, is another guy he really likes. And Devon Harris, we just they're just not proven, Ryan. So I think we've asked all the right questions and we've seen what we can see, but it's one of those things that I think we're just going to have to let's take some words out of Craig Bull's mouth. After about midway through the first quarter in Illinois, we're going to probably have a pretty good idea what this team is going to look like. Yeah, Jay Savell told me during the spring that he's never had a defense that statistically was pretty good that had no playmaking on the back end. And my immediate thought goes to the Hail Mary against Hawaii. Like, what are you guys doing back there, you know? So, you know, the names at safety that left via the portal, I think a lot of fans were like, oh, no, you know, because they see they were downhill, you know, guys that could thump. Yeah. But, but where are the interceptions? Where's the playmaking? Where is the Marcus Epps and Wingard big plays and big moments? It just didn't happen for them. No. Uh, aside from maybe uh, Rome Weber's play at UConn, but you have to have that play to beat UConn was <laughs> kind of a letdown and a win. <laughs> Yeah. Well, and look at all the pass interference calls it took to get there from that secondary. Exactly. So, uh, you know, I love it in terms of someone who has to write more stories during fall camp, you know, yep. on everything we already did during spring football, the, the more battles, the more storylines, the no, more names that people don't know that are going to be legit players, the better. I think, um, what do you think about that chemistry thing? You know, that, Easton won't quite spill the beans other than to say some guys were individualistic. Yeah. I, I pointed out the, the photo that I, I think one of the offensive linemen posted where yep. the whole team was on the field after a workout and they were all, you know, locked in arms and smiling as, as evidence that the momentum they have from spring seemed to carry over in a big way from a locker room standpoint. Yeah, I was going to mention that exact point, Ryan. You asked that question, and the thing I loved about it is Easton Gibbs used the words, they insisted we take this photo, and everybody was excited to take it. And he said last year there were some guys who probably wouldn't have been in that photo. They, they're more worried about their stats, and you know he did kind of say, well, you see who's still here. And uh, they mentioned that a lot, too, that the reason they think this club is so tight is because you can see who wants to be here. The people who want to be here are here. And they heard the chatter last year in the locker room of guys saying, I'm out of here. And it wasn't just, you know, maybe at first it was just, yeah, the coach pissed me off or the coach yelled at me, I got to get out of here. But then it turned into a problem where guys were openly talking about it. And like we talked about, these guys were not shocked necessarily that what happened against Hawaii happened. I mean, I think we were more shocked than anybody uh, at how bad that was. And I know Jay Savelli probably wouldn't mind me sharing this. He said, uh, watch our safety play from that game against Hawaii, and uh, you'll see how truly poor it was. And they said they couldn't have covered anybody. And I was like, any specific plays, any specific time I should look at on the video? And 
He said, no, uh, the whole thing. He said they couldn't have covered anybody in the stadium. I'm talking about people even in the stands is how bad it was. So it was not a good ending for this team. And, you know, sometimes addition by subtraction is a good thing. And isn't it fun, too, to find these household names? We didn't know who Andrew Winger was. We didn't know Logan Wilson, per se, even though he grew up right down the road. You know, it's it's so cool to see these young guys get it up and, and end up being the stars. And, you know, if we listen to Coach Bull, Sebastian Harsh is one of those dudes that should have a breakout year because I've never heard him talk about somebody so much. And also, it was really cool to hear Craig talk so much about Titus Swin during the spring and at Mountain West Media Days because, you know, there's no secret. Those two were not best friends the first couple of years on campus. And uh, the maturity shown by Titus has been huge. And, and Craig also has talked again at Media Days about how he is more involved and he is talking to guys because, let's be real, that was a big problem last year. He was just not existent in a lot of ways, and he admitted that. He stepped up to the plate, and from all accounts, he's been sitting down with him at the training table. He's been talking to him. It's It's been a much better relationship, and he mentioned that again at Media Days. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, I kind of wrote about, and you touched on this is year nine, and he won a championship at North Dakota State year nine, and he's going to match Lloyd Eaton for the longest tenure in Wyoming history this year. You know, I kind of wrote about his legacy for Sunday's Star Tribune and, and asked him more about Bob Devaney, um, who I think he's probably more comfortable talking about than Lloyd Eaton. Um, but he is a Wyoming historian. You know, he he knew all about Wyoming from being recruited by Wyoming to, you know, being around Devaney at Nebraska. And, uh, you know, he, he wants to leave that type of legacy. And that's, he knows to put the cherry on top, it's, the Mountain West Championship, and he hates when we use the term elusive when describing that and Wyoming and his quest for it. But it's true, it and you know, I I, w- I really enjoyed uh, his one hour plus long media session, which was basically me and you peppering him with questions for an hour. Yeah. I think it was by far the longest of any coach that sat down there. Yeah. I don't know if that's because we're annoying, more annoying than other media or not, but <laughs> it went on and on. And the next wave of coaches were kind of waiting to get in there. So, you know, I think he understands that there's a lot of work to do. And I think uh, the portal and NIL and all that is a headache for old school coaches like him. But he, I think he did actually look in the mirror, like he said, and, and said, I've got to adapt and change and be more player friendly or, or it's not going to work. And, and he wants to finish on a high note by being, you know, able to, to make the transition on a lower level than, you know, Nick Saban did when he finally embraced spread offenses and, Mm -hmm. and, you know, guys going to the NFL early and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And, you know, he did, I don't know if upset's the right word. He did not like that word elusive, but I mean, it is true. And, and he said, I respect you for saying it. I understand, but it is elusive because Ryan, we've talked about this, you know, we're both from Wyoming. We've heard this our whole lives. Recruiting to Wyoming is so hard. How do you recruit the best players to Laramie? Craig Bull hasn't had that problem. There's a dozen guys on NFL rosters right now. 11 of them played or were, were recruited by Craig Bull. That's not obviously the problem. If you watch a tape from that Mountain West Championship game in 2016, there's NFL players all over the field, including like a Tyree Mayfield, for instance, who was a third-string tight end. All three tight ends from that team were in in an NFL camp. So that's not the problem. So that's my question to Craig. 
what is the problem? The talent's there. What is the problem? To me, it's it's the offense. It's the stubbornness. Like you just said about Craig or about Nick Saban embracing the spread. Craig Bull is not going to embrace the spread. That is not going to happen. But what I like about it is, you know, if they can find that little bit of efficiency where they can complete 70%, 75% of their balls, they're going to be deadly. They, uh, they really are, but they haven't been able to do it. Yeah, before I get you out of here, Cody, I just wanted to uh, kind of let you talk a little bit about your journey to, to covering this team. I know it was a dream for you. You're a lot younger than I am, but we had kind of similar backgrounds where we left and worked for newspapers and covered cool things. You know, I got to cover the Broncos, and which was kind of my childhood dream. And yeah. the Avalanche's last Stanley Cup run to, to date myself a little bit. And then obviously, most recently, the Oregon Ducks and Rose Bowls and playoffs and that sort of thing. Yeah. And, you know, I'm from Wyoming. Now I'm back home and, and closer to family. And and I know you were uh, covering the Penguins and then Michigan State. And then you had this crazy idea to start a website. Yeah. And you called me when I was in Eugene. And I was like, dude, it's a great idea. Yeah. You know, I thought about it too, but I'm so bad at business. I was like, <laughs> oh, turns so out how I'm is terrible. it, how is it going so far? And, and uh, you know, I think, I think there's diehard fans that probably read the Star Tribune and 7220 sports, but I think there's also different generations probably that, that aren't in on both floors, but how, how's it going so far? You know, it's, it's been really good, Ryan. And it, it's funny because I talked to former colleagues at Michigan state and fans and, and same with Pittsburgh. And they're like, Oh man, you took a huge giant step backwards. What are you doing? <laughs> and it's like, no, I didn't. I never in a million years thought I would cover Michigan state or an NHL team. I, my whole goal was to get here. In fact, my first job was in Warland. And the only reason I took that job, two reasons, one, it's in Wyoming and two, that's where Robert Gagliardi got his start. And if Robert got his start there and made his way to Cheyenne and covered the pokes, I knew that that was a roadmap that was already laid out. So that's why I went to Warland first. And, um, you know, that was always my dream, man. I, I didn't miss a Wyoming home game for 27 straight seasons. So uh, I, I always wanted to be – I once I got into this writing game, that was the goal all along was to cover the Cowboys. It wasn't to cover high school. It wasn't to cover – the Spartans, but you, you take your lumps and you have your experiences and man, they were great. I mean, first year I covered the Spartans, they were two and 10. They turned around, went 10 and two the next year and beat Washington state in the, in the holiday bowl. And, and, you know, of course, Tom Izzo, you know, what a, <laughs> what a deal that was to be able to cover Tom Izzo for two years. That's, that's good training for a young journalist right there. Um, no doubt about it. And then the NHL, of course, to, to talk to Sidney Crosby on a daily basis and guys like that, that was Absolutely incredible. But honestly, um, you know, it was one of those deals where I'm like, hey, it's now or never. I need to start this thing if I can do it. And if I could take one thing away from the nightmare that was Pittsburgh because of the guy I worked for was an absolute nightmare. He started the first website, sports website that was successful. I mean, basically, the athletic modeled their deal after him. So I kind of watched what he was doing, watched how they were laying things out and said, I can do this. I can do this at home. And, uh, you know, God bless my wife for, you know, taking that chance to let me come home with, I didn't even own a laptop at the time. So to come home and say, Hey, I'm starting from complete scratch. And then of course you throw a worldwide pandemic in the mix and lost a ton of, uh, ton of advertisers. So that hurt, but I was really blessed to be, uh, purchased, you know, uh, town square media bought out 7220 sports two years ago. And, 
so thankful for that, you know, because like you, I'm terrible at the business aspect of this thing. I absolutely dreaded it. I hated it. I hated selling ads. I believe in what I do, but I also don't believe in going into people's businesses and being like, give me money. Uh, it was terrible. That was, that part of it was terrible. So now that I'm with town square media, I can focus on what I do. And that's all they ask of me is to, to write and write and write some more. So really thankful, uh, not having to dig in the couch cushions to, to drive to Albuquerque or Provo or any of those fun joints. So, uh, it's been really great, Ryan. It really has. And, and I want to thank you, uh, people like you, you that, you know, kind of gave me the confidence to push forward and do it because I, I called a lot of people and I didn't even know you <laughs> and, That's I, right. and I called you to be, you know, cause I trusted what, what you've done in your career and, and wanted to know what your thoughts were. So it means a lot that you thought it would work and, and so far so good. Well, I'm glad it's working out and you do some great work over there. And I encourage people to uh, check out 7220sports.com. And also, uh, I'm not afraid to shield. So make sure you have the uh, trib.com app and, and check out my work as well. And uh, Cody, I will see you in Laramie and let's get this thing rolling. Thanks so much for your time. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me, Ryan.